in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that's guaranteed to give you the shit. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we delve deep into the city and dredge up some of our favorite films from a much maligned horror genre. Mm-hmm. We are talking, of course, about urban horror. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, guys, let me remind you where you're part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we download our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your the shithole! As it goes, as it goes. So guys, we are in the month of February, mm. and in the month of February, within the horror community... February is it's it's a cool month. Yeah, there's and, a lot. It's the shortest, but it's one of the cooler. And yeah. it's what we usually uh, well, we usually uh, they are in the eighth year, I believe, of Women in Horror Month. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, February, where you focus and uh, highlight all of the women in the horror genre, and that's mm-hmm. you know actors, directors, writers, producers, the whole gamut. Which which not only the up and comers, but some of the unsung heroes of the old days, the established, the, the, right? Exactly. You got your uh, Catherine Bigelow, exactly. Jennifer Kent, uh, some, some of the upcoming Summer Party Massacre is a good movie yes. to show because even though people on the outside and the facade it looks like a very um, masochistic. Misogynist film. Misogynistic film. It's it was you written mean, and directed by a woman, and it's actually quite the opposite if you look underneath. Uh, it. Rita Mae Brown, I believe, was the one that wrote that, and she was yeah, super hardcore feminist. So yeah, it's really inter- an interesting yeah. take on that, and we've been pretty good about that, just in terms of you know we're very fortunate here in Kansas City because we do have a fantastic up and coming yeah. rising uh, female superstar in the horror genre, Jill Gavargazian. Golf gangster. GGP man. Uh, we've also had the opportunity to talk with uh, Gigi Sal Guerrero from Luchador mm-hmm. Productions. Uh, we're big fans of the Soska sister the twin you know we we, we, right. we, we really try to promote when we can most definitely and because you know what no matter what's between your legs a good movie is a good movie you know That's, what I'm saying I, I'd never thought of it but that, that <laughs> way you, you put it in a way only you can my friend but in a more broad national sense February mm-hmm. is also Black History Month here mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd go ahead and focus on uh, and talk about some films. Which is an unsung genre. And it's, and it's and like I, I mean, said, it's, it's sub-genre. It's, it's definitely maligned just because it's one, like you said, it's not really as known. Right. Or the films that, and a lot of the films that we're going to talk about, I think, really easily fall under urban horror. Yeah. But let's go ahead and open up almost in an academic sense in mm-hmm. terms of what do we qualify, what do we consider urban horror right now when we're talking about urban horror we're not talking about we are talking about the city but we're not talking about like chuds okay right <laughs> we're talking honestly about- though chud i think could qualify as urban horror yeah because so if i'm gonna lay out my first kind of um, definition here mm-hmm. is looking at the plight and disparity of african americans through a horror filter mm-hmm. i think that's there's some of them we're going to talk about that are obvious yeah. in that definition of urban horror exactly and and i have some that are not necessarily um some that are more social commentaries mm-hmm. and i have some that are even like they are on urban horror even though they're not in like in the cities or set in like you know the ghettos or whatever right, right. it's still set in broad thing but it's written uh, by and starring uh, an african-american person exactly so um, it's just some of these things to just talk about the young son because i like my one number one first one is a pretty good one 
And uh, so <laughs> how do you want to do this? So um, I definitely think it's interesting the way urban horror works. Yeah. Um, just in terms of looking at, I think, ultimately real life issues. Again, mm-hmm. putting them through a horror filter mm-hmm. and seeing what comes out because there's some really good stuff out there. And OK, so when I was compiling and doing my research, there's a lot of movies that I have seen personally. And then some that are just kind of. Okay, a bad movie is a bad movie. Just like a good movie is a good certainly, movie. You certainly. know, like what do you say? The week, uh, the week and the chaff. Oh yeah, the wheat and the chaff. Yeah, right. Separate. So right. So for every like Candyman, for every like thing like that, there's also good movie. There's also a whole bunch like vampires and bones. Uh, well, no bones is good. Is that good? Okay. Bones, okay. I'm talking about the really you know Sub- lower on the uh, periphery. Right. And then, and then that's goes across the board with horror. So what we're going to talk about is more the 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 best ones. Yeah. So. Well, at least initially here. So my list here, I've got technically four here, mm-hmm. and uh, the first one in terms and I don't think this is one that really started it off mm-hmm. but it's one of the first ones I remember and it's uh, 1972's Blackula mm-hmm. which uh, directed by William Crane tells the story and it's exactly what you think it is right it, it is a black vampire Inter- Tur- turned by Dracula himself, himself. And it turns out what's interesting is uh, William Marshall is the star of this film, mm-hmm. and he is the one that carries this film. No, he he his talent alone separates this from like a Rudy Ray Moore movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. not that ain't anything bad because no, 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 he no, loves lo- a Rudy yeah. Ray Moore, but this may, this heightens it. It adds gravitas to it because his performance. He's he's a Shakespearean he actor. Is. He's classically so, trained. Exactly. So to to do a movie like that and to elevate it, just like Bela Lugosi did with the the, the original Dracula, mm-hmm. it's a really good example for a little bit more exploitation-y it's the sequel scream blackula scream starring pam greer and that's just because it has the pam yeah greer in i there. i i'm gonna say this i prefer scream blackula scream to the original i'm i like scream blackula scream but for, the, for me the original blackula works so much better for me just because it does kind of give it initially a fish out of water tale right because the film opens with um he's he's basically he's an african prince uh-huh. and he approaches dracula and for some help and then... ending the slave trade so already you have kind of a socially conscious message going on mm-hmm. within Blackula. Right. Within a fucking... Right, right off the bat. He's doing this for flip. the best of his people. Yes, so he's a noble man. Right. And that's one of the things that works within the Dracula tale, within the mythos, is ultimately he's kind of a tragic, doomed figure. Right, but he's also very sophisticated. He's And he's he, he has morals as a vampire. Even regular Dracula, mm-hmm. he was sophisticated. Mm-hmm. He was a count. Blah! Ah, ah, ah. Right? So he had he was well to do, you know. I mean, a good vampire knows how to work socially. Mm-hmm. Well, it's well any good horror should be able to be exactly. utilized as a uh, social analogy, metaphor, what have you. Uh, but ultimately, then I think what's always funny with those fish out of water uh, tales, especially if it's someone is a violent killer, mm-hmm. is they go, oh no, they just blend right in here, and you know, <laughs> right? in contemporary. With pimps. the world, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I love the and they incorporated it. I mean, I, I think it is uh, a it's a black exploitation film. Right. I think the way to I think in the movie the I, I forgot if it was one or two, but um, one of the ways to know that they was evil was wound to look into the mood ring. The mood and ring. if the mood ring changes colors, then you know some bad shit's going down. And you know, sometimes I do appreciate films that like time date or time stamp themselves. True, I dig it though. You but know, yeah, no, I, I do I appreciate it. It's a lot like of fun. That. It's a lot of fun. 
I dig this movie. It's definitely, but it's definitely the one that I thought what I thought of initially when mm-hmm. I was kind of putting together yeah. my thing. And I'm going to go chronologically in okay. order, so I'm not necessarily saying the most important one or anything like right, that. Right, right, right. Because my next one that I want to talk about came out in 1991, mm-hmm. and it's one I actually saw in the theater. Me too. And it's one I did not know how to react to when I, I saw it in the theater. I did. I shit my pants. I was terrified. This movie still haunts me to this day. It's such a weird film. We are talking uh, Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Yeah. And for me, early 90s Craven with this and Shocker yeah. are some of my favorites. No, they're totally some of the best Cravens. And they're they're initially just just shit on. But this this can qualify. I think what you have, The People Under the Stairs, is the perfect example of urban horror. Because one, it is set in an urban setting. Mm-hmm. And it is the plight of the community around them. Also, the main protagonist is a young African-American guy. Mm-hmm. Fool. So, who- fool, right? Ving Rhames getting tore up. Up, gee, mini. Actually, yeah, Ving Rhames and his buddy both get yeah. really messed up. No, the people under the stairs, I think, is really underrated uh-huh. in the uh, the Craven catalog. Yes, because and I think because it is for it's a weird movie, right? Like it is a scary film, mm-hmm. but it's a weird in terms of tone film because much almost much like Shocker, it kind of goes all over the place. Yeah, it's scary. It's fun. It's suspenseful. It's lighthearted. There's jokes. There's terror you know the, <laughs> there's roach bad bad good old uh that is a um who is that guy's name that uh played roach uh, sean whalen yeah the uh aaron burr a- no but a uh, fool was portrayed i'm gonna give him a shout out here uh brandon uh quentin adams because i liked fool a lot in this <laughs> yeah. film so the whole uh the whole thing with people under the stairs is it does tell the tale of uh daddy and mommy as played by everett mcgill and wendy <sighs> roby so who, creepy if you you're gonna recognize them immediately, they're gonna go. It's a uh, Big Ed and Nadine from Twin Peaks. Uh, not necessarily reprising the role there, <laughs> but they're basically playing this like Reaganite, white, mm-hmm. just your your traditional slumlords. Yeah, taking away basically bleeding a community dry, mm-hmm. not giving anything back. Nope. And so the whole premise is there's this there they live in this huge kind of just almost kind of like a house you would see here in my neighborhood <laughs> one of those big old Victorian been around a while dilapidated a little bit but it's rumored that they have like this stash of gold in mm-hmm. there and I love that this film and the next one that we're going to talk about facilitates a lot of these quote these urban legends urban legends yeah which of course comes from you know right right right, right but you know the people under the stairs. Their house is that house that you walk around. Mm-hmm. It's it's the house in the neighborhood that everyone talks about. If your first bee goes in the yard, it's gone. Oh, it's forget it's about it. Forget it's about done. it. Well, it, they Everett McGill, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy, daddy and mommy, such a weird couple. Ugh, just, Ultimately, it's revealed, and we're, we'll spoil out this. Obviously, yeah, this movie's gonna have this whole thing is gonna be yeah. spoilers. But it's ultimately revealed they're not husband and wife they're brother and sister right and the whole, so the idea is that they're going to break in the uh ving rames and his crew they're going to break in steal the riches mm-hmm. pillage basically right give back to the community but of course it's a horror movie so home alone-esque shenanigans yes. happen i always ultimately wanted to see fool hook up with kevin McAllister and just make like some sort of weird impenetrable fortress uh, yes just like, <laughs> you, or, you can come in but uh you can't yeah you can right? check in but you can't check out or have them be they mentor under um uh tobin bell and saw right. jigsaw it's like uh you know i like your work i like to see what you guys are doing you're up and coming let's let's bring you in the fold here you want to play a game yeah 
Because there are some crazy Rube Goldbergian kind of yeah. things in this film. There's traps. There's mouse traps. Yeah. Well, the house itself almost becomes a character mm-hmm. in this film, just in terms of the various traps that are in there. Um, this is just, it's just one of those really, it's a weird film because I do think it takes um, the whole idea of Reaganism and trickle-down economics in terms of how it's supposed to work and how it doesn't ultimately. <laughs> right. Much like communism, it works better in theory than in practice. <laughs> but the tone. On, on paper, it's a good idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great <laughs> idea to give these people money. Um, but obviously, the community is suffering from their stranglehold on them. And so the idea is basically is you have these rich, white, older, conservative folks Mm -hmm. bleeding the black community dry and what what is the response to it. And so there in and of itself, I think, qualifies and definitely falls under the urban horror definition that we've put out. Most definitely. But it's also a fun movie. Oh, and don't forget the titular people under the stairs. Which you are led to believe from the trailers, uh from the title of the movie itself, they're, they're the villains, but you yeah. know, no, they're like <laughs> any good, like any good horror film that gives you some pathos, kind of like what you get with, with Blackula and his his love, his true love that he sees dies twice, which is always mm-hmm. painful. But in here, yeah, you realize that they're all these basically um, kidnapped, Keep kidnapped kids, and that they. And if they didn't and, like him, if they didn't like, you know, obviously... If, if they, they weren't the perfect child, then they would throw him in the basement. And ultimately, they cut out their tongues. Uh-huh. So you, it's it's frightening. It's oh, nightmare-inducing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I love the twist of the film that you ultimately find out is, no, they're, they're the ones, the ones that, They want to get out, too. They're, 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 they're victims. They are. And that was one of the first times, I think, from... And I remember, again, seeing it in the theater, that I had that instance of, like, not knowing how to react. Because uh-huh. I'm usually kind of spoon-fed with a lot of my horror films. I know how to react. I know what's coming. Right. But the minute... Like when, when Daddy comes out in his goddamn gimp his outfit. gimp outfit, man, they're like zip. I'm going right out of that bat. You know, it's like, oh, you're gross. It just ups the insanity level uh-huh. to such a degree that I did not know how to react when I saw it. Because I mean, Wes Craven, he he he's not known for being subtle at times. You no, know what no, I'm saying? Can, I he, mean, even though he directed that uh, glorious stuff on Meryl Streep movie. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one right after this one. I, but it's uh, it's so weird to see bring him in that sort of insanity. Not to Dante as cartoony, but right. more realistic, gritty. Like holy shit, this is this, it's a saw movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's one of those moments. It didn't take me out of the film, but it made me kind of readdress what I was watching mm-hmm. because I. I I'm, and this is not bragging, but I wasn't necessarily scared so much with people under the stairs, but it did really made me think. It was very thought provoking. No, it was a good. And, it was a good urban fairy tale. Yeah, an urban fairy tale. I even mm-hmm. liked that better actually. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, fool does hook up with uh, A.J. Langer, and I think her first film, uh-huh. which is great seeing her uh, long before her my so-called, so-called life. life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just love the way everything kind of folds out. I. Re- a fairy, an urban fairy tale, I yeah. think, works really well with this film. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, Shout Factory put out a really good um, Blu-ray of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, with along with Shocker, I, there are my two favorite from Wes Craven of the 90s. And I know that's sacrilege because he basically revitalized the 90s with Scream. No, but I'm with you on this one. I think those two, I think... They're so unique. Mm-hmm. They're so different. And they are so they were so ahead of their time that there was too much for people at the time. Yeah. And now looking back on it, we're like, okay, cool. And it's as relevant today oh, as it most was. Definitely. Even in like the late most 80s definitely. when Reagan was still around. So yeah, definitely check it out. And then the next year... 1992, I think we agree, is probably the pinnacle. This is the ultimate one of urban horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard Rose's Candyman. This this was the movie that just I still to this day I marvel at. It's it's a, it's it's beautifully horrifying. It's haunting. 
It's a haunting, haunting movie. Just like Helen. You know, it's just like what is blood? If not foreshadowing. Oh my goodness. Tony Todd creates a horror icon. Yeah, instantly. We can Boom. agree the Candyman oh, mm-hmm. is on the Mount Rushmore uh-huh. of horror icons. I hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> I know that part tickles you so much, so much. So let me ask you: Did you see this one in the theater? Yes, I did. This one, I this one gave me nightmares, and and it, the it still does, even when I hear that. Philip Glass's dun, score. Dun, dun. <sighs> is another one that elevates just the imagery when she's coming out of the uh the wall and it's Candyman's mouth graffitied on that just that image right there is burned into my brain this movie has so much to say and so hauntingly beautifully scary it it, it terrorists it's terrifying but i can still watch this and enjoy it and still freak out at every time the the mirrors and everything i don't tempt fate by saying that i don't say Candyman man five times in the mirror you don't uh, walk on greats mm-mm. you don't say his mm-mm. name nope i agree well i think to me this is number one uh one of the the best urban horror film mm-hmm. but for me it's also the best horror film of the 90s mm-hmm. i just think it, it stands above and beyond all of the others yeah. based on number one it's a good scary movie yes it is it 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 does what it needs to do it creates a great horror icon which mm-hmm. we haven't seen in quite a while we've talked about you know are we going to have more horror i don't yeah. know if we are or not but i think he he stands up to that mm-hmm. and then also it, in terms of you know bringing out the the urban horror of it it does have something to say Most. about poverty mm-hmm. and how people are dealing with that and it goes in back even to race relations mm-hmm. because he was a slave who fell oh, in God, love yes. with master's daughter mm-hmm. and next thing you know and and chopped off yep. and then basically yep. given to the bees mm-hmm. which Bruh. is horrifying oh that's so another iconic image just the bees coming out of tony todd's mouth he he uh, had an insurance policy like for every uh, sting bee he gets the thousand bucks and I'm like fuck you yeah. smart yeah. <laughs> and they were all real bees uh, mm-hmm. he apparently had like a little uh, guard in his throat mm. to keep them from going down his windpipe oh, but shit. everything else was game Man. which yeah that's that's con- that's conviction to a role mm-hmm. you know that's commitment mm-hmm. and it makes it so much better because those are real bees yeah he, which is he, he's a true actor yeah well Tony Todd I, let's talk about him a little. You know, a lot of people do recognize him primarily from Candyman, but mm-hmm. he is a great character actor that has been in so many cool genre films yeah. that, I mean, just off Platoon, The Rock, mm-hmm. two of my favorites from there. So he shows up in non-horror stuff, and he's always good in it. Yeah, The Flash. The Flash. He's the voice of, the yeah, vo- Zoom. Yeah, I mean, and even when he, and when he shows up in horror stuff, like uh, uh, Dr. Voodoo. Mm-hmm. From you know, the Hatchet from series. From Hatchet, yeah. And in my, uh, one of my picks, too. So the, Tony Todd is a, a spectacular man. <laughs> and I, I do think a lot like uh, uh, William Marshall is he does bring, like you said, the gravitas to the role mm-hmm. because it, he, he grounds it in realism. But also, and again, Candyman is a tragic figure as well, as we find out. Right. Now, I'm going to go on record saying I didn't care much for some of the sequels. I saw the second one time, never mm-hmm. bothered with a third. And, and that's no. probably bad on our my part, but mm. I just... To me, the original, I didn't need the sequel. Right, I, exactly. It worked that's, as a self-contained story for mm-hmm. me. And that's another, it's oh, the whole mythos of it, the whole, the legend, the world building. That's what. <laughs> that's an urban grim fairy tale. It, it is, it is. Well, it's based partially on uh, the Grace Abbott Holmes murder, where it was basically, it was uh, very much a, um, a uh, oh God, a project. Uh, yeah, that was ghetto. In, in the ghetto. Uh, and a guy came through a hole through a mirror that was through some tunnels and killed some people. 
Fuck. And now if you think about in terms of how we deal with trauma, how we deal with the real world, what we do, we create tales. He's the boogeyman. Yes. And to deal with the everyday horrors. He's the boogeyman of Caprini Green. Yes. Yeah. And that's what, and I love that in terms of um, basing it in Chicago in Cabrini Green, which mm-hmm. exists. Yeah. Uh, which was a horrible rundown tenement. They uh, hired uh, gang members to be security there. While they were lo- shooting? Uh-huh. Because, because like of, yeah they're like okay well we'll shoot we'll let you shoot here but you got to pay us for protection they're like okay cool they can do that yeah well it's great because if you think about just in terms of what this is is it's just the uh, manifest manifestation mm-hmm. of all the badness that's going around there and yep. we get it as a horror movie which is great because it does give us this undead beast man with a with 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 a penchant for bees and a yeah, hook and for a hand. hook for hand, so he has yeah. an iconic weapon as uh-huh. well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he not only uh, attacks Caprini Green, but he can be summoned anywhere. anywhere. And also, he finds the love of his life, and all of that that plot right there. Well, that's let's with talk Virginia about Virginia Madsen. Uh, she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous, and she is really good in this film. Yeah, she is. And then. Um, the her friend uh, Vanessa Williams and I always get the two Vanessa Cassie Williams. Lemons is her yeah. name because she was also the friend mm-hmm. in Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, well, <laughs> I, to talk about Helen, um, Helen. I, I have I don't have an issue with it, but it does bring about that whole kind of white savior motif that you'll get in some of these films uh-huh. because ultimately she's the one that finds. Um, is it? Oh God! Is it the the little girl that's missing? But she's the only one that cares. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, she's trying to save her own bacon. I understand, but at the same time, you know, when she realizes that there's bad shit mm-hmm. and these people are in danger, mm-hmm. she sacrifices herself. Yeah, this is so. Very true. I mean, I you know I understand, but at the same time, you know, at l- nobody cares about anybody, but at least somebody is willing to like. Oh, all right, let me help. And you know? I guess technically it does bring it back to his pre- previous love as well, which right. is again almost a callback yeah. to Blackula in terms of you know he, seeing he, his. He, he, lo- he loves his long lost yeah. love. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I this to me it's and it's got good gore in it. Oh, yeah. In fact, the kill, my my all time favorite one because it's so gruesome and real. But when he kills the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. when he's basically like when she he he basically dares her. He's like, oh yeah, just summon him. Isn't because he's no, he's convinced yeah. it's not going to happen. She does the whole Candyman, Candyman, and I'm not going to say it five times. <laughs> right, right, right. But there's that, there's that great beat when nothing happens, and he's and like, you, yeah. and, then, and then he just shows up behind. Now, when he kills him, <sighs> if you rewatch that scene, and I mean, I don't mean this in like an absurd um, kind of juvenile way, but it looks like he's fucking him. <laughs> Taking like a dominance kind of I, there, that's true. Just like rewatch uh, how it's shot. It's I, I want to find out if it's done specifically because of that, or maybe if it's my own thing. But it really when I saw, it, I was like, oh my god, like that, that's crazy brutal and huh. crazy specific. You know, so right. I don't know if there's just must be any kind of you know like, meaning behind it. You're going to get fucked up, you know, beyond just you know being being gutted with a hook. But yeah, I just it's. So good. This is, again, it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, definitely worth, and again, the score by Philip Glass. Yeah. That whole, that that just music box. X. I've been, I was listening to it all day today, actually. <laughs> that, it it uh, sends shivers up my spine. And even even when, like, we play the Tony Todd promos on the, mm-hmm. on this, just that, I'm like, no. It just, like, I know bad shit's going to happen. And, like, when I'm driving, if I hear it, I don't want to, like, look in my rear view mirror, you know, because I'm I'm like, well, no, I don't want Candyman when I'm driving. As long as you're not saying right. him, it's fine. It's fine. Might Who even... can take the sunrise? Well, also, one of my favorite things when I rewatched it was uh, Ted Raimi showing up at the beginning. <laughs> the, little, yeah. the greaser boyfriend. I'm like, oh, 
good for you. <laughs> yep. I love seeing Ted show up like that from because uh, we were talking about him last week on uh, Evil, our Evil Dead 2 commentary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Candyman, 1992. Uh, my next film is from 1995, and if you know the podcast, you know we love us some anthologies. Yes. And this one, I think, is another severely underrated, underseen mm-hmm. anthology. I rewatched it not too long ago, and yeah. my God, is it more relevant now than it ever was? Yeah. Tales it, from the Hood. The shit. The shit. Oh, this movie is so... I, You know, we love anthologies. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite. And I, I was just blown away how good this movie was. I mean, urban horror, whatever. This is a good anthology. The tales are, are relevant and scary. And they're all very, very different. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like a Clockwork Orange. You have like the little uh, doll You thing. have the Zuni doll. Uh-huh. You get the, the, the straight up monster flick. You get kind of a mm-hmm. zombie one as well. Yeah. It's unreal. You so you got four stories in it and mm-hmm. the wraparound. Mm-hmm. And the wraparound, of course. The wraparound is great. <laughs> you get Clarence, Clarence Williams the third. Oh. The shit. You will never be as invested in the shit <laughs> as when you watch uh. this film. And oh, real quick, uh, shout out also for Candyman. Uh, if you want to check it out, um, I believe Genius here is going to be hosting a mm-hmm. screening of it on February 28th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might hopefully be able to, I don't know if I'll be able to get to it uh, to introduce it with you, but I should be able to get there to watch most of it because nice. it starts at nine. Sweet. So yeah, so yeah, I wanted to make sure to shout that out February for what, 28th. For what good are movies, if not for viewing? <laughs> um, but and unfortunately, we won't be seeing Tales from the Hood in the theater, or will we? But I also want to shout out April 18th, uh, Scream Factory is putting out a special uh, Blu-ray edition. Nice. Which I'm beyond nice. excited for. Nice, nice. Uh, but this is addressed, uh, directed by Rusty uh, Kandiyev, and this is actually executive produced by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. So it has some legitimate like credibility yeah. in terms of an urban horror experience. And so let's talk a little bit about the uh, individual stories. Okay. The first one is uh, Rogue Cop Revelation. <sighs> And this this one was tough to watch. This one, it still is. I mean, it's super relevant. Because it deals with pr- police brutality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously in today's day and age, We're, Jesus it's still, Christ. Yeah, it's it's more of a hot button issue than the, anything. Even, yeah, yeah, and it's I definitely think in terms of social media, it's more relevant and out there. Mm-hmm. But this was, again, every every everyone is implicit in this story. Yeah. You know, even if you didn't do something, but you didn't act on it, you're just as guilty. Exactly. And that's what's really interesting with this, <laughs> the, the ending of this particular story and how it wraps. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, because you'd think the guy that didn't, Anyway, <laughs> don't. This is one I don't want to give away because I really think that because yeah, this the, one is it has the message. I mean, they all have messages. Mm-hmm. This one is very in your face, very relevant. They're they're all of them, but this one is the one. This one's probably the scariest. One of the scariest ones. I would. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. 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 I'm gonna give that one to the third one there with the uh, the little dolls. That one. That one got gotcha. you. Messed me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the Clockwork Orange one too. Mm. That one was kind of fucked up. So. All After right. Road Cop Revelation, we get boy gets, excuse me, boys get bruised. Yes, this was very Tales from the Cryptian. I felt the same way. This actually. was very Tales from the Cryptian. So basically, the boy, the, there's a long, young man, and he's in an abusive relationship. That the stepdad is beating the shit out of him on the reg. So he confides in his teacher, and um, so he goes over, and it's David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, which is like 
the weirdest thing when I first saw it because this was this was in living color time. So David Alan Greer was still on a TV show. Straight up, you could only saw him in comedic performances. Right, and he was always being goofy or like over the top. Yeah, wearing crazy costumes, so, giving snaps. Mm-hmm, two snaps up, right? So the only and then this one he's snapping the belt. Oh my god! So like, I mean, he's beating the shit out of everybody. And so the teacher finally, I, I forgot who was playing the teacher, um, but um, oh, when she shows up and. And actually it confronts and yeah because what's happened the little boy says who uh there the teacher's like who's beating you up and he says the monster and he's making all these drawings of the monster of the beating monster. the shit out of him yeah and so it turns out that he the monster was the dad come to find out the little boy all these pictures that he's drawing he has like magic kind of powers where like if he crumples the paper something crumples almost so, a voodoo-esque kind right, of like a voodoo doll yes. or a voodoo drawing mm-hmm. in this very case. twilight zoney and tales from the cryptian so it's yeah. one that and it really stuck with me though just in terms of and the other thing that i want to shout out uh with all the films we've talked about so far are good old-fashioned practical effects yes that's the one thing that really worked in the air and when oh my god when david allen greer gets his comeuppance in this mm-hmm. one it's nasty. Yeah. Like it's gruesome and brutal. Oh, it's 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 pretty. Eh, you can hear the bones crack. It's it, it's fucked up. If you thought the sheriff's demise in uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Jason <laughs> Lives, is bad. <laughs> no, this is basically you haven't heard anything. Yeah, yet. this is like the worst yoga ever. Oh, so. it's it's intense. It's intense. But the, yeah, that ending is phenomenal with that one. Mm-hmm. And then that brings us to KKK comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And this one actually f- calls back to the Zuni doll from. Um, Excuse me. Trilogy of Terror. That calls back to the uh, the little goblin from Cat's Eye. You know, mm-hmm. something small. Yeah, something small that screws me. And I love the fact that it's Corbin Burnson. <laughs> L.A. Law. Playing a crazy white racist in a position of power. Hmm. hmm. I wonder if this is p- potentially relevant at all hmm. today. Perhaps. But he is a southern, uh, I can't remember if he's a governor. Southern, southern governor. He's or a southerner. Mm-hmm. But he's basic and he's on old, he's on a. Base, old plantation. And it's straight, uh, like you could imagine like the, uh, you know, Django Unchained being right. shot there. Ba- exactly. It's a, basically, this it's is. It's an old fashioned. David Duke's Dallas. Da- yeah. <laughs> David Duke decadence. Yeah. It's KKKDDD. <laughs> and ultimately what I love with this film is he's a bad man uh-huh. and he, uh, he does get his comeuppance because all of these little dolls come out of this painting mm-hmm. and it's in it's um these old i guess you would say they were slave paintings yeah it was uh, on, on in, in like right in the wall and it was to mm-hmm. show off i uh, the, the grandmother mm-hmm. the basically the matriarch yes. of the of the community of this of, of the slaves and she would take care of the children but she would make like little dolls for them the and they're in the pictures and then as like shit got worse these little monsters came out and started fucking and them up and it initially just starts with the with one. one with one and then two and then three and then four and then yeah you have an army of them at the end mm-hmm. and to see his to see him lose it just in terms of kind of you know dadding himself because again anything that scurries like that that's small Yeesh. yeah that's that's frightening yeah it is and i know yeah, that bothers is. you as yeah, well a lot so that one <laughs> and I, I, again the bad guys you know they get their commandments which is great so that one really scared me i, I like that one a lot mm-hmm. The one you were mentioning, the Clockwork Orange one, Clockwork Orange ones, the Hardcore Convent. That one, the first time I saw, I didn't know what I was watching. Yeah, it's probably the weirdest in tone, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's I like that because it does give it a little bit. It's totally different from yeah. everything that's come before it. It's also it's like a tale of like you're gonna reap what you sow type thing. It, it's more. It, it's 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 interesting in an anthology to do something that like in your face, like you are a fucked up person. You're gonna do terrible shit. You're going to hell. 
basically. So stop it. You know, mm-hmm. that one was pretty poignant. You know, I mean, they all really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on the nose. It's that one was that one wasn't more like that was more psychological scares. That one would be a Black Mirror episode, maybe yes. rather than uh, yes. some of those others there. Mm-hmm. So that one probably had the I wouldn't say it had the least amount of effect on me, but it's the one that I I I, I don't think it should have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one would probably work more as uh, one of the ones to start off with because I think any of the other three have more of a, a gut punch yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we are left with the wraparound. Uh-huh, which is the best. I, I That's my, is one of my favorites. Clarence Williams just being over the top. Basically, drug dealers were going to make a deal, and the, some guy finds it, and he says, I'll come and get it. Turns out it's Clarence Williams, and he owns a funeral parlor where the dead rest. And the t- and the tales are, he's basically telling Show, the boys. Yeah, because they're like, oh, every shit, coffin. it's every coffin. This is what happens in this, and this is what happens in that. And now so it's a re- great framing device mm-hmm. in terms of a wraparound. It's very, it's very smart, very, very um, EC comics-y. Yeah. Yeah, I would almost say this could work as like a creep, creep show, show four. Yeah, this you know, could be to- Tales total- from the Dark Side is creep show three. Mm-hmm. This should be creep show four. I, you know what? I am wholeheartedly on board with that because it really yeah. does have that EC comic vibe to it. And also, you know, you, the 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 wraparound is the connective tissue with everything. And if you have a weak wrap wraparound, you ultimately might have a weak movie. Yeah, but this one I think bolsters it. It's and, the funniest. It's yeah. funny. This one well, is is a very there. There's there's levity throughout the whole movie, except with the ending, with yeah. the last one. But with the, the whole part, especially uh, the wraparound, it's just a fun little wraparound story. And, and Clarence Williams the third. Yeah, I don't think enough can be said about his no. performances because it's <laughs> at eleven. Over the top. Yeah, it, just even his hair. Don King, just like Don. If Don King ran a funeral party, if and, <laughs> Don King Adams. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So. Uh, but you know his facial expressions, just everything. The shit. <laughs> You'll be knee deep in the shit. Everything you remember of Tales from the Hood is from him, <laughs> and that's perfect because then ultimately the ending, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Now I will say that's a little bit. Of, I think that's early CG with some of his transformation. Right. But I can was, forgive that because mm-hmm. he still makes a great demon. Yeah. Um, but no, that's what you remember. That's great. Go back for that, but ultimately go back because all the other segments yeah. deserve your attention. Exactly. Are more relevant today than they were at the time. And like I said, April eighteenth, uh, Scream uh, uh, Scream Factory is putting out that Blu-ray, which mm-hmm. I'm jumping on immediately. Yeah. So that's what I initially had on my initial list but i also want to shout out some of the not necessarily urban uh urban horror but like films set in an urban environment that always freaked me out as a kid even though they were non-horror two of them trespass walter <laughs> hill and judgment night because it showed a bunch of guys getting in the downtown area <laughs> the street toughs street toughs come out bad shit happens <laughs> but, uh, if you haven't seen those i know they're not horror but they are a lot of fun so you had some that i know mm-hmm. that uh, that i because again to me these are kind of the the standard bearers yeah these are the ones that if we didn't talk about everyone would go what the hell's yeah, wrong with I'm you guys sure, right? you yeah. had some good deeper cuts though mm-hmm. okay so i want to start off one with uh that is urban horror because it is so socially uh poignant and i'm going to talk about night of the living dead oh very nice good call Mm -hmm. good call this movie was made at the times where there was race riots and things were at all-time high and to have a uh movie featuring a black protagonist in the lead was not heard of especially in a horror genre as well right with him yeah and so this broke so much ground and so that's why I'm classifying this as And then ultimately the ending as well is one of the biggest gut, gut punches yeah. you'll get. Mm-hmm. And that I remember the first time I watched that, I was I 
that that killed me. And and speaking of Tony Todd, even in the remake, the remake, the remake is still it's still got that emotional. It, it's not as charged, no, politically not. charged anymore. But that's a good horror movie. That's no. a great remake. Romero basically set the standard in terms of yes. horror as a social commentary. Yes, exactly. Without and so, him, in all of his movies, it, well, creeps capture yeah. show, but <laughs> but also I think that's a thing that a good urban horror movie will do mm-hmm. is have that kind of socially conscious um, attitude mm-hmm. and something that you can pull from it. So yeah, Night of the Living Dead, good call. Yeah. I like that one. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna shout out. I'm not gonna go into too much because I'm not the biggest fan of this movie, but I gotta rewatch it and check it out. Shout out to Vampire in Brooklyn. I, we talked about that one not in depth, but when uh, we had Zach and Erica from Atomic Cotton on on the mm-hmm. Old Nerds of Nostalgia episode, we talked because we were getting into a little bit about because that's a Wes Craven film, mm-hmm. and that's another kind of lo- I won't say it's a gem. No, because I have mixed feelings on yeah. Vampire in Brooklyn. It, it's. There was director and actor issues and script issues and so. But it's kind of a a forgotten Craven, mm -hmm. but one maybe you should check out. Well, one you can revisit and make your own opinion, but you know, I'm just going to skip over that one. (laughs) Um, Now, this one is a sci-fi horror. It's set in an urban setting and it, uh, the protagonist is a black guy, an older black guy. Versus a monster. I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ain't no stopping what can't be stopped. Want some candy? <laughs> Want some candy? Predator two. Predator two. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. That one, actually the urban sprawl in the, that. Er, yeah, the deteriorating the shit mm-hmm. out of me. Even oh, though this I would one imagine. Like came out in like ninety one or ninety two, and think. it was set in nineteen like ninety seven. Like all good future the movies should future. be. Right, right, right. So I this I think this is a great example of urban horror because urban setting and yeah. you know I mean just and the fact that Predator Two fucks people up. Yeah, I wish I, I I thoroughly enjoy it. I know a lot of people piss on Predator no. 2, but I really enjoy it. Plus, it's got Gary Busey. Speaking in it, of piss, right? <laughs> piss on the Predator, or piss on the aliens. <laughs> you know, just like, hey, everybody, I'm here to hunt the Predator. If Schwarzenegger can do it, then I can too. Check it and out. It was right before he went really crazy. So, you know, it was like the Mr. Joshua, Gary Busey <laughs> from Lethal Weapon, where you're still formidable enough. Shit, the cast in that, man. Bill Paxton's in it. Yep. Maria Canchita Alonza. She's quite fantastic as yep. well. Was it she, Maria Canchita she, Alonza? She escaped okay. the, uh, she escaped the uh, running, running man. man. And she became a cop and got fucked uh, up by Predator. Yeah, Predator 2, good call, man. Predator I like 2 that is one. great. Urban yeah. horror. And Kitty, you're on my list. Yeah, we have a guest here. Cat, sorry. Hi. Sorry, Kitty. Okay, so um, I'm going to shout out once again because it's not that good of a movie, but it's <laughs> kind of a lot of fun. I'm going to shout out to the Killjoy Camp franchise. See, I've never seen any of those. Uh, you're not missing too much. Um, okay. <laughs> basically, uh, drug deal gone bad, nerdy kid gets summons a demon, uh, a year later passes, He the demon comes. And he's a killer. Basically, he's a killer clown. He's a clown. That's right. We yeah. talked about this he's on our a clown, clown episode, so, didn't we? Yep. So basically, Killjoy, picture this. If you take um, <laughs> Homie the Clown and Freddy Krueger and you mix them together and throw them in the ghetto, you got the Killjoy series. Interesting. And then it just goes more. And that's No, that's not. That's just only the first one. There's ones where he goes to hell. There's ones where he becomes the president. So it has a franchise. So it's a franchise. It goes loony. It's, yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. Something, so. no, you know, fuck it. But shout out, shout out to it, you know, because, I mean, it's. Well, it's, there, and there's the, that's the thing. There are so many films that I know we're going to miss. Mm-hmm. So if you do have any that you're like, you guys are idiots, hit us up on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, on Facebook, Nightmare Junkhead. Uh, hit us over at Downright Creepy. So, yeah. 
yeah, let us know what we're missing or what we should seek out. Yeah. Uh, I got a few more. Um, Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead. Uh, with Big Daddy in with there. Big Daddy. Big Daddy is not exactly an antagonist. No, he no, he's he's, he's the smartest of the zombies and he does what he does. And so the the brand main antagonist is Dennis Hopper. Not playing Donald Trump, we swear to God. <laughs> right? And this is Romero again. Yeah, so This is another one that I think I think it's underrated. I, I really do too. I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. I see a lot of internet hate on it. <laughs> I but dig I, it. And this is the one I actually saw that in the theater as well. Me too. So I, I, like, I was excited to see it in I the theater. I was really excited to see it in the theater. I was like, "We're turning to form." Yes. Right? Uh, next up, Leprechaun in the Hood. Those movies are fun. They're kind of rubbish, but they're a lot There's of fun. There's two of them. There's two of them. Back to the hood. Oh. When when your main when in part two part part one has Ice T in it doing he pulls a baseball bat out of his afro oh to God. fight the Leprechaun. <laughs> so that's the opening scene. So when you see that, you know kind of what you're expecting. You know what to yeah. Part two, it just goes down. Does it? It just goes weird when you when your main hero is the good drug dealing pimp that wants to start a record company, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Right? Unfortunately, yeah. So it's just an excuse to do have Leprechaun do Leprechaun shenanigans, but it's kind of cool. I like it. There, it's a, got its fans. I was going to say, I know it has. It's I. I, I was going to say, I, I like them. I like those movies. Would I, you qualify I, it as a guilty pleasure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go around saying, you know, what my fucking favorite movie is Leprechaun Two: Back to the Hood. You know, I'm not going to say. But pressed, but, you know. But like, do you like it? Yes, you know. <laughs> I, I I enjoy. Guilty I think pleasure. at our age we should not have guilty pleasure. Come on, you like it? I, you okay, enjoy it? It's I good. dig. I dig the. I dig the leprechaun. We'll, we'll, we'll the watch it movies. sometime. Yeah. We'll watch, I, I'll be honest. One and two. Because <laughs> I have not seen them, so I've only oh, seen the first really leprechaun. Good. So they're really good. All right, I got three more, and these are probably my uh, some of my favorites off the list. Um, the next one is Bones. See, I, I have not liked, seen Bones. I liked Bones a lot. And that's with Snoop Dogg, correct? Mm-hmm. Basically, these uh, urban teens, urban endangered teens, uh, wanted to build, build a community center to have raves, right? Of course. And so they find this this place is in the, in the dilapidated, once again, bury people under the stairs Just a big house surrounded in urban blight, but it used to belong to a pimp mm-hmm. played by Snoop Dogg who died in the 70s, right? He comes back from the grave to exact his revenge. And I think it was written and it was written by Snoop Dogg. And I think, well, he had help, but um, I think it was produced by Wes Craven, I believe. Really? I believe I'm so. Or somebody, to... somebody, uh, I didn't do enough research on no, that. No, no, that's okay. Hey, that's, but, we have the IMDB here. So let's see here. This one, we're going to look at all cast and crew here. Jimmy Bones, is that true? It was a good story. It's a good little film. There's uh, good scares. There's good effects. Uh, <laughs> and I, I like Snoop. He's, bow, got, bow. He's, he's got good presence, man. Yeah. I mean, there's a he's reason. He's a charismatic he... dude. Smoke weed every day, you know? <laughs> so is this one that you would recommend yes, to me? Yes, I dig it. Okay. I dig it. Um, speaking of Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Sounds like it potentially could be an anthology. It is an anthology. It's an actually really decent anthology. Really? I wouldn't say it's great, but it's a decent anthology. Worth. Yeah. It, there's some socially relevant things, just like Tales good, from the Hood. Good, good, good. It's basically like like a low-rent Tales from the Hood, but it's a lot of fun. There's uh, It opens up with animation, and the first, it tells the story of Snoop Dogg's character, basically, it, and it's done in like action anime style. 
Interesting. I can see that. I can and see that. So basically, he plays the his drug dealer that got shot trying to protect a little girl. He winds up in hell for all the bad shit he did, and the devil says, all right, go up, collect souls for me. And so he's telling about the souls that he's gone and collected. Collecting. So he's basically the Crypt Keeper. And there's some good stories. Um, there's one where there is a retired home for black veterans. And uh, this guy like Billy Bob comes in because his dad, his dad owned the building because they he was in this. He served with them. Mm -hmm. And so he took care of them rent paid rent free. So when he died, his son takes over and treats him like shit and just just turn makes him like servants, basically. And so then they get the revenge. So there's and there's one about a graffiti artists. There's one about all this different uh like basically urban problems, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I live in an urban city. I love, uh, I, I love, I, I, I love crime dot and crime dot, and I go totally related. Crime dot. You know what I'm saying? Nine one three till a D I E. But it's a good, it's a good little anthology. It gets corny sometimes. It gets a little silly, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's definitely worth your watch. Okay. If you, especially if you like anthologies. And you know, I love uh, me some anthologies. And then my last one is. Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. And this was a good pull, especially for the director mm-hmm. and then a couple of the actors as well. Mm-hmm. And I, we've talked about Demon Knight, obviously. We've before. shown we've Demon seen, Knight. Yeah. You know, this this movie is, is... Another that I think is really underrated. Oh, most definitely. This is one of my favorite movies of the 90s. I mean, it really is. It's just fun. Um, and you have a killer performance from Jada Pinkett Smith. She's great in the film. And an amazing, fucking wonderful performance by C.C. Pounder. She's rad. Yeah. I, I, I seek her out, and she's one of those actors that I will seek out, and I will watch anything yeah. she's in. She's so good. She's really good. Yeah. Okay. I love this movie. It, it's so much fun. And Billy Zane just being Billy Zane, you know? He, and the cast is... Yeah, he, he eats every scenery, every line he does. He just relishes that shit. He just chews it up like 22 times like an old man. Just like, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's filled mm-hmm. with character actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, directed by Ernest Dickerson, mm-hmm. African-American. So that's another good pull there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I... I in terms of urban horror, it's tougher to qualify that. However, just based on his pedigree, though, I mm-hmm. would definitely follow. follow. Yeah. You know, it's one I would say you should watch during this month. Right. If you want to spotlight a good movie for Black History yeah. Month, I think Demon Knight would be a great one. Yeah. Demon Knight Candyman would be a perfect like. That'd be a nice double, double feature. feature. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of all of these films that we're recommending that we're talking about is you know put them together, double feature, marathon, mm-hmm. individually, what have you. Yeah. But definitely seek them out because but they're Black all hi- worth your time. Yeah, Black History Month or not, these are all good movies. Well, I well, think- well <laughs> not all of them, but I mean these are all. I mean, seventy-five percent of these movies. And let's face it, uh, when you're in your U.S. history class and they're going through Black History Month, I'm telling you right. Now they're not talking horror yeah. in terms of the contributions right. from African Americans and you know the, throughout to, to the cinema world. So hopefully it'll give you an excuse mm-hmm. to check it out in a scholarly pursuit, exactly. if you will. But if not, you're still going to get good horror movies because mm-hmm. that's the one thing with all of these films, one way or the other. They're good horror films. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you get the message, which I hope you do. Right. Because these kind of films go a little bit extra. They do a little bit more mm-hmm. to make you informed, to make you feel, to make you think. And that's that separates good horror movies 
from great horror movies, yes. and a lot of these are great horror. Yeah, movies. I'd say the the ones we really initially started with are the mm-hmm. great. Yeah, then we got the. But mm-hmm. there's still so many out, and there's still so many we there's haven't still, seen. Yeah, there's still tons out there. Well, speaking of next week, yes. there's a film coming out. Yes, that I'm I am, excited about this one, and I'm hoping we can maybe do and not necessarily we might we might do an entire episode on it, but I definitely want to review it. But uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out, mm-hmm. which I think has the potential. To be mm-hmm. a very interesting horror film in terms of what it has to say. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how the, what do they call them? The alt-right react to this film. <laughs> because everything I've seen in this film looks horrific. Looks yeah. like legitimately scary. And I think it's one of those films, much like we've talked about before on the podcast, that kind of modern horror is drawing from the real, is mm-hmm. drawing from reality. Yeah. And this one looks like it could be, I, I joked about it on Twitter, I was like, oh, this new documentary coming out called Get Out. Right. It's like, no, man, that shit looks legit. Yeah. And Jordan Peele, who everyone knows from uh, Key and Peele, right. which they're like, well, he's a comedian. I'm like, dude, c- comedy and horror. <laughs> they're cathartic. You know, exactly. They work hand in hand. Two, two sides of the same coin. Well, and the same reason people are freaking out over um, Danny McBride writing the new Halloween. Uh, you know, I, he's known as... I, I think it will be great. I, I have faith in it. I don't know if we need another Halloween, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Peele's Get Out next week. That mm-hmm. one looks unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and it looks legit scary. What did you call it? <laughs> the Stepford Whites. Boo. <laughs> boo, genius boo. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, if we don't do an entire episode on it, we definitely will be talking about yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that comes out next week, guys. So make sure to check that out. Support it. Uh, make sure you're checking out Scream Factory. You know, all the de- you know physical media. Don't download, you know, don't pirate this stuff. No. Get it legally. If you stream it, go through a legit system, all that kind of good stuff. Go out and see it if you can. Yeah. Well, shit, Candyman, if you're mm-hmm. in the Kansas City area, February 28th, you yeah. guys. Genius, and hopefully myself will be introducing, if not, but come out and see it because yeah. it's, ex- <laughs> it's a good movie. Any excuse for that, guys. So do you got anything else there for me there, I Genius? I think we are good. All right, gang. Well, until next week, guys, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Uh-huh.